1: So,
0: you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. No, knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil his in them rhythm and blues that sing. It's gonna get you signed in the
2: end. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte.
3: My name is Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson.
2: Hey guys.
3: Welcome. What's going on, everybody?
2: Here we are again in the virtual studio. It's
3: hanging out. virtual studio is getting hotter and hotter every week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh,
4: Yeah, the heat is on here in New York City. Uh,
3: Cracked 88 degrees yesterday, I think. Oh, my gosh. So is anybody else doing this thing? I didn't... I I was so pleased to find out I wasn't the only one. Uh, I was visiting my local, my friend Vanessa, who runs it, and she was saying that, like, yeah, every morning... I check my phone to see if I need to bring a sweater to work because mentally I'm still kind of stuck in March (laughs) and (laughs) I had this great moment of being like, thank God I'm not the only one that does that because I do it almost every day and I always feel like an idiot to be like, do I need to wear a hoodie today? Oh wait, no, it's summer. It's the middle of summer. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Time just sort of stopped for all of us, I think.
4: Yeah. Well,
2: especially in New York City, I mean, like, it's it's kind of hard to tell what it's going to be like from day to day, even if you, like, check it out in advance. Um, it's pretty much the same here every day in California. Um, it's been <laughs> getting really hot. It was a ri- really nice, sunny, hot weekend. Had a little birthday cookout. Um, hang out with That's the, right. some, some friends. That's right.
4: twins birthday. What do you call it again? Twinsmas?
2: Twinsmas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we had some friends over, socially distant, of course. We went backyard, you know, and like cooked some stuff and had some drinks. And yeah, it was nice to, to see a few friends. Uh, kind of feels like getting back to normal, you know. Like every day, it seems like we're getting a little closer. I I hope. I'm knocking on wood now. Um, yeah, yeah. But
4: well, New it, York City is finally inside of phase one. Uh, you know, yeah. phase three is when bars and restaurants can get back rolling a hundred percent. Uh, they are forecasting that in a couple of weeks we'll be able to do some limited outdoor seating before Phase 3 begins. So we're trying to, you know, plan for and look forward to that. I'm sure you're doing the same at Grand Army.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've got those benches and stuff out there. We're going to start taking some tables and chairs um, outside. You know, we're lucky that, you know, we're on, like, a very green, chill corner of downtown Brooklyn. And especially we're on State Street, and that's one of the, like one one of the streets it's on the uh, safe street initiative so essentially we've got the whole street blocked off and uh, people can ju- just you know kind of hang out i've seen people like picnicking in the middle of the street you know just bringing a blanket or bringing lawn chairs and it's uh, it's pretty rad actually i mean new Yorkers find a way so it's really sweet i yeah, mean indeed. like re-
4: i think that's i think that's really cool i think you uh, i'm sure you guys are going to create some initiatives to foster that sort of behavior to hang out in the street and have it be sort of like a block party, right?
2: Dude, that's been my dream since before we opened. I just wanted to take over the damn street. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's been interesting out here in California. It's like you know, uh, the the outdoor seating thing kinda started right on the first. And I've gone to a couple of restaurants so far and like, sat outside. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's different because, you know, like there's still you know, masks involved. At least for you know, obviously the staff. You know, if you're sitting there eating and drinking, you can't really wear a mask. But um, but yeah, still like you know, there's interesting kind of steps of service. Like for instance, you know, uh, we went to this like pretty nice restaurant the other night, and uh, you know, it's just like those certain steps of service that are kind of like it, it's kind of fun like reimagining things and just like on the more utilitarian side because like you know like with a nicer restaurant usually like the plates and silverware get cleared between courses and things like that and like they're like oh, we're just gonna they they said you know they kind of gave us a spiel like at, at the beginning they're like all right so here's the thing you know just to like cut down on traffic and like you know touching of things you know we we hope that you understand like keep your share plates and like you know like we're doing only like bottled water um you know that kind of stuff free of charge for the bottle of water it was just like interesting to see how people are adapting to the situation so i think it's i think it's cool and exciting i think there are some steps of service that were kind of a little bit i don't know just unnecessary in a lot of ways that they're just there for the you know the show and you know it's uh yeah i'm You know, I'm the kind of person that, like, I I will use the same wine glass all fucking night. I don't even care if we're switching between reds and whites and rosés and sparkling. Like, I'll use the same wine glass. Because I feel, I feel weird. Like, you know, like, if if it's, like, something dramatic, like a really crazy, like, funky, like, old Riesling or something that, like, smells like gasoline, and then you're going to something really (laughs) delicate and light, you know. Obviously, there are times, but, like, you know, when you get a fresh glass, but I thought it was cool, man. It was kind of like dining at home. You know, it's like you don't you don't clear your plates between every course at home, and you don't like you don't grab a different glass for every time you're getting a new glass of wine, especially if you're just keeping with a if you're keeping on the program of reds. You know, it's like you might as well keep your glass. So I don't know. And to me, yeah, that, sure,
4: a little a little bit more a little bit more homey, a little bit more familial.
2: Yeah, and and th- and that's exactly how it felt too, because it was like. It didn't feel like we were dining at a restaurant so much as we were, like, being invited to someone's home, you know. And that's, you know, that it kind of, like, added to the experience in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't go to people's houses and wearing, you know, I don't expect them to be wearing a mask when they're serving <laughs> food to their friends and family. But, you know, it's it, it definitely has a different vibe. And uh, it's just good to see people, like, opening back up and, you know, people being able to work. You know, that's huge.
3: Oh, I'm sure, First yeah. First step. Did you- did you kind of feel like you were like, you know, Superman under the yellow sun, just like being regenerated by this experience of being able to finally do this thing that we all love and build our careers around, like go out to eat at a restaurant? What a novel concept. Like, what was... I, I know, want to live vicariously through you for a second here. To yeah, so, well, I'll,
2: exp- I'll explain this part to you. Uh, it's a little, little, maybe slightly vulgar, but, you know, like, when you like, if you've had a... a like a puppy and you get home and that puppy is super excited to see and it's wagging its tail and it can barely contain itself. And maybe it pees on the floor a little bit. That's how I felt. (laughs) (laughs) That's not not
4: containing itself. Yeah. (laughs) The opposite of containing.
2: (laughs) I was just, I was just, uh, super excited to be out. I like over tipped like crazy, you know, (laughs) like I just like super psyched. (laughs) Oh, Oh. And here's, here's another thing too. And I, we haven't talked about this yet on, you know, we've been kind of predicting what it's going to look like when we start opening up again. We've talked about it a little bit for like Amoria Mario. You said you might do like two-hour block reservations. They were like it—it it wasn't necessarily a reservation system for this one place we went to, but they said you know everyone gets an hour, and I was like, all right, that's great. I can deal with that as long as I know and I don't like if I know that I've got an hour to spend at a place, and then like I politely ask you know you know when the time's up to uh give up the table for the next person totally down if i were like sitting there and all of a sudden they were like hey guys sorry we really need this table uh, you know that's never happened to me cuz i'm always like i i'm ordering like crazy until the, i order the bill you know <laughs> and so like usually you ask usually when people are camping out you ask them to like you know give up the table for the next person who's waiting but uh i was i was just happy to be there and yeah i had to uh I had to change my underwear in the car um, on the way out. <laughs> anyway,
3: it was a great but, night out, and Damon's never allowed back. Never, never going back, man. Uh, let's let's bring in our guest here um, today. We are super happy to be joined in the our virtual studio uh, all the way from Dublin, Ireland. Stephanie Shen, who is the global brand, let me try that again, global brand ambassador for Dead Rabbit Irish Whiskey. Welcome.
5: Hey guys, it's really nice to virtually hang out with you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How are we all doing? I really appreciate the fact that I've uh, come on and we've already talked about peeing our pants, so this is going to be a really good conversation. I'm down for peeing pants conversations. (laughs)
2: That's, That's why good. they gave me the show.
5: This is actually a special on like how you can pee your pants in public and get away with it. Hey,
2: this is cut this is cutting edge radio. This isn't the kind of stuff you get on you know, MSNBC or some shit like
5: that.
2: We're not That's afraid to tell the wants. We're not afraid to tell the truth. <laughs>
5: Should we do like a coronavirus special of like this is how to pee your pants in public while also maintaining two meters distance or yeah, is seriously. two meters that point where nobody can really notice so you can just kind of point at the other guy?
3: It's, I mean it's, it's, it's yeah, useful so in a time you when you saying, can't. <laughs> You're saying you can
4: point to somebody else like they peed my pants?
5: <laughs> <laughs> if someone else has peed your pants, you have a much bigger problem than coronavirus.
3: <laughs> I don't know how you did it, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is that is one of the like the the like crappy, annoying side effects of this. Is like you know, used to, there was a time when if you were wandering around New York and you're like, oh damn it, I I gotta pee. You could just walk into the nearest bar, which was guaranteed to never be more than fifty feet away and be like, "Hey, I will swap you $5 for a beer and use you of your toilet." You can't <laughs> do that anymore. But what's um so I, I don't I don't actually know this is 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 that a thing in Ireland now? Can't you just like go into a bar? Are bars open? Is it like a limited reopening? What's going on over there?
5: Um, So Ireland has been pretty tough with the lockdown measures in comparison to other places. So um, the bars are not open and um, initially they were talking about opening bars in August or at the very very end of July but um, Ireland has kind of, like we're an island so it's pretty easy to isolate. We also have a very low population density in comparison to other countries so With a strict lockdown I think we've managed to control the numbers a little bit more. So initially there was talk about opening bars not until the end of July or August and now they're kind of pulling that back a little bit. So no bars are open now but um, there's a lot of bars that are doing um, delivery and takeaway cocktails. Um, And then officially um, there are restaurants that can open that can serve alcohol from the twenty ninth of June, um, but I mean, you know, it's it's kind of one of these funny things where in Ireland everybody's very chill, so you know, there's there's a lot of jokes of like, if we've peanuts, does that count as food? Are we technically a restaurant? Can we open the bar <laughs> then? So, um, yeah. So I mean, technically the next phase for officially for you know like kind of more bars and clubs and stuff like that isn't until July. But I reckon there's going to be a lot of people that are going to open. Um, well, that's the talk of the town is that um, a lot of people are going to try and open and, and just offer um, a food service. So the guidelines are, are pretty strict. So... Um, it has to all be table service. Um, nobody can walk up to the bar. Customers have to sanitize their hands when they walk in. Um, and, you know, there are some bars that are looking at um, maybe 30% capacity maximum because they want to try and keep a two meter distance within a bar. So it, it's, it's kind of crazy because no bars have officially opened yet. So we don't really know what it looks like. Mm. Um,
4: you you mentioned you mentioned a little bit about to go and delivery cocktails is that new in ireland or like it is here like for most of the states in the united states we're we're just cracking the egg on that omelet and we're all getting accustomed to it It's, it's been a thing in china for long before the pandemic is that new in ireland as well
5: yeah, it's 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 very new. You would have never really gotten um I don't I think there might have been one or two places that may have said like you can get a bottle of wine, but that was kind of the limit whereas mm. since the coronavirus has started there's been quite a few bars. I mean, I, I'm in Dublin, so that's obviously like the epicenter for most things in Ireland. But I know that there are places in Galway, places in Belfast, places in Cork. So all over the country, there's a lot of different um, cocktail bars that have kind of embraced the, you know, we need to, to start a delivery service. And um, there was one guy who kind of chanced his arm and he had a he had um, a keg system set up in the back of a van. And so he would just drive around and, like, offer pints of Guinness to people.
3: <laughs> oh, man. Did he play a little song like the Ice Cream Man, just to let people know that he was coming?
5: I mean, I don't know if he did, but in my memory, he will always have played a little ice cream tune. But it's just, it's it seems like it's so Irish, you know, it's, it's that kind of like, well, they haven't officially said we can't serve Guinness out of a van. So this guy is kind of, like, rocking around given like pints of Guinness from this van and um, eventually you know the guards had to be like look you know you can't really do this it's not the most hygienic thing to do to like park in the middle of a street crack open the van with no cooling system and just give people pints from the back of your dodgy van so um, unfortunately he got shut down um, fairly early but I also would like to point out that it was very specifically pints of Guinness so, gotcha. like, Irish people are very particular. It's like, yeah, we're done with the cocktails, but, like, if you're going to go around in a van with kegs, there needs to be Guinness in that van. So just, you know, to make sure that I reinforce that stereotype, Irish people really like Guinness. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the world has any doubt about that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> just in case you guys didn't know, I know this is groundbreaking news, but, like, we like Guinness. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you heard it here first on the speakeasy, folks. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, Yeah, Stephanie, let's talk a little bit about what you do, uh, which is you work for uh, Dead Rabbit Whiskey. Now, when did that uh, mark launch? It's relatively recent still,
5: right? Yeah, it's pretty new. So we're technically two years old. So um, the Dead Rabbit Irish Whiskey came about um, because the Dead Rabbit Bar, which is in New York, which I'm sure many people may have casually heard of the name, but um, they wanted (laughs) to... uh, They wanted to celebrate their fifth year birthday. And so to do that, they, um, so the guys who own the bar, um, Jack McGarry and Sean Muldoon, they're actually from Belfast, which is in Northern Ireland. And um, the master distiller for the distillery that that we're in at the moment, the Dublin Liberties Distillery is a guy called Daryl McNally. Um, and he's also from um, the North of Ireland. So um, they decided that they were going to get together and make a whiskey. And uh, the idea was that Darrell McNally, he has over 20 years experience with in the irish whiskey industry he's pretty much a ledge bag like he's incredible he's got one of the best palates in the world he's so insane and um, so he wanted to bring a lot of um irish whiskey heritage to the whiskey and then um jack and sean were like that's amazing we want to have a really solid whiskey but obviously they run cocktail bars so they were like we want to make sure that this whiskey is fantastic in cocktails, and also neat. So the two of them kind of worked on this spirit together, and so that's our beautiful love child. Um, so yeah, it's, it's delicious.
3: <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Uh, so. <clears throat> yeah, I
5: don't think
4: I've gotten my hands on a bottle yet. Uh, I don't know about Greg or Damon, but uh, but I can't imagine that, that uh, these guys who are so well known for you know making quality things like their bars and their products... Uh, would make anything less than stellar we um, want to talk about some flavor notes of the whiskey
5: oh absolutely so um, I'll give you guys just a little snapshot of what it is so it's a blended Irish whiskey it is a blend of malt and grain whiskey so malt typically with an Irish whiskey tends to be super rich really complex and then grain is much lighter and floral in style and um, when you marry them together you kind of have this whiskey that's that's approachable without being overwhelmingly complex but there's still enough flavor Um, and then it's aged for five years in ex-bourbon casks so the the idea was that they wanted to create um, an Irish whiskey with an American accent so what they did was they aged it for five years in ex-bourbon and that's pretty typical with an Irish whiskey um, so we have all of those vanilla and caramel notes, which you would expect. But then what we did was we actually got custom made, um, 90 liter barrels from the Kelvin Cooperage. And so they're virgin American oak. Um, they're a medium char. And then we finish off our whiskey in that. And what that does is it kind of elevates the whiskey from your kind of more typical classic blends that are usually ex bourbon into something that has a lot more bite, a lot more body and a lot more spice. Also, traditionally Irish whiskey is usually triple distilled. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. Um, and um, with the world of bourbon, it's it's normally singularly distilled. And so Dead Rabbit is actually double distilled. So what you have is this whiskey that um, has all of these... Like, it, it, it's it's still approachable. It's still got that sweetness that you would expect from an Irish whiskey, but it also has a lot of spice, a lot of punch. Um, the main flavour notes that I get are usually black pepper spice, um, dark chocolate, coffee. There's a little bit of a burnt orange citrus note in it as well. And then you have all the classic, I've been aged in an ex bourbon barrel, so all of that vanilla and caramel is kind of the first thing that hits you. But it's um, also about the 44% ABV or 88 proof. So traditionally Irish whiskeys are 40% and with that extra 4%, it just kind of ensures that it'll stand up a little bit better in cocktails. But it's also pretty banging on its own.
4: Uh, Yeah, it sounds like it. So talk to me, you you went past a a point that I wanted to note. Um, You're doing a secondary aging in a virgin uh, barrel that I can't remember what you said, but it sounds like it's considerably smaller than a typical barrel, right?
5: Yeah, so it's almost, um, it's it's kind of just under half of the size of a typical barrel. And so the idea was that, um, you know, you, you wouldn't have to use it as long, but also the wood-whiskey um, interaction is is super fast and super intense. Um, so yeah, it's only 90 litres, it's used once, and then we recycle it into use one um, and another whiskey um, under the umbrella of the distillery. But yeah, they're only 90 liters. So they're... a so
4: half size barrel, single time used. You're going to get a lot of flavor out of it. And also yep. you're going to get it really quickly because you've got a lot more surface area that's coming into contact with the whiskey because it's in a smaller barrel, right?
5: Yep, 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 yep. I mean, you do also get, like, you do get that fresh wood as well. So there are, like, as as many people would say, pencil shavings which I never thought sounded delicious. But, I mean, obviously, when you get really into the world of whiskey, suddenly you find that you, you quite like pencil shavings and tar and all of these strange smells. But, um, yeah, so because of the, the virgin um, American oak, there is a lot of oakiness and there is a lot of that fresh barrel smell as well. But for me, it's all about the spice. I love it. Like, the black pepper finish on it is is, is one of the reasons why I really love this whiskey.
4: Outstanding. I'm going to have to... Make my way over to the Dead Rabbit once the restrictions are lifted here. Um, Stephanie Shen from uh, Dead Rabbit uh, Irish Whiskey is on the air with us. Stay tuned. We're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more of the Speakeasy.
1: This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, and restaurants have had to pivot to pick up and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash speakeasy.
2: And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And in our virtual studio today, we have Stephanie Shemp from the Dead Rabbit Iris Whiskey. And we were talking a little bit before about some of the kind of unique characteristics of the whiskey itself double distillation which is rare uh for an irish whiskey but uh it's yeah you said before the break that it was like an irish whiskey with an american accent i think that's a really great way of putting that and um you know there's a, with all the to-go cocktails that have been going on like being offered by a lot of the cocktail bars there's a very iconic place in san francisco called uh, the buena vista cafe and they are they're famous for Irish with Irish uh, coffees, and there's always like a line around the block these days. Um, and you know, you you mentioned some of the uh, the tastes and uh, aromas come from this whiskey, and I immediately just started thinking Irish whiskey or Irish uh, coffee for this Irish whiskey, but also because it's the Dead Rabbit, and that's just kind of like what it's like one of the main things you do when you go there. Like you get an Irish coffee and a Guinness and a dram, and then. You know that's lunchtime and then you know a little bit later in the day you go upstairs okay. or next door damon
4: bolty power lunch yeah <laughs> power hey, I, lunch. i, I have to get my
2: work done early guys so i can start having fun earlier um, <laughs> um but but yeah i mean like this i imagine that that was probably a major factor that they were considering uh when they were thinking about like the flavor profiles of this whiskey correct
5: Yeah, 100%. So as I said, you know, you've got... The way that I see it is that you've got kind of almost pioneers from two different worlds coming together. Mm -hmm. So Daryl is just phenomenal, and he has, like, a wealth of experience that is quite rare within Irish whiskey. Um, And then you have, obviously, Jack and Sean, who are pioneers within the cocktail world. Sorry. So when you have the two of them together, they kind of both... Um, kept each other in line with what the other person, what the other party wanted. So, you know, whereas Daryl could be like, well, this could be amazing if we do this. You know, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work in cocktails, then that's not the whiskey that they were going to settle on, and vice versa. So, like, one of the kind of key things was how they settled on um, the ABV or the proof was that, um, you know, they-, they had had these conversations about how they were going to-, to give it that American accent. And it was really important to Jack and Sean that they had some. American influence in the Irish whiskey because they're both Irish boys but you know they they essentially built their dream bar in New York and now they're living in, in, in America so right they had talked a little bit about, you know, like you know, the the I guess one of the kind of easiest ways to to add crazy flavors is is within the aging process. But legally, for it to be called an Irish whiskey, it has to be aged on the island of Ireland. So it wasn't feasible. Like one of the early ideas was, hey, what if we took the barrels and aged them in the bar? Um, but it just wouldn't be it wouldn't be a feasible idea to do that because it wouldn't legally be called Irish whiskey, and you-, you know, the guys. Sorry?
2: Is it possible to, can you like age them in Ireland and then maybe finish them in the United States? Or is that still not considered no, an Irish whiskey? Yes.
5: Still not considered an Irish whiskey, yeah, so, um, you know, um, but I mean, it's, 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 it's good to have rules, and, and what I would say is that, like, within Irish whiskey, it's actually pretty loose with regard to how we can age our whiskey, so the the rules are that we, we need to age it in a vessel made of wood no larger than 700 litres, but it doesn't necessarily specify that we have to use oak. Or that we have Mm. to use a specific kind of oak. So there is a lot of freeway, rain even within the world of um, Irish whiskey when it comes to aging, but it does all have to take place on the island. And so this kind of like, after a lot of back and forth of like, hey, maybe we could do this, well, this isn't technically what would be considered an Irish whiskey, they kind of settled on, well, you know what, we should just, we should have. A similar aging process to how you would age bourbon so the five years in the ex-bourbon is going to help you to get some more of that sweetness and then finishing it, it off the same way that you would finish off a bourbon in a virgin American barrel that's been charred um, was was kind of how they agreed to do this and then how they settled on the proof was um, after they had aged it um, Daryl McNally he would take samples and he actually sent the samples over to the Jed Rubber bar so you had Jack, you had Sean, you had Julian Vodes and the team and they would take different samples of different strengths they would play around with different cocktails and that was how they decided on um, the final strength of the product. So it was definitely they were working in tandem together, you know, it could have been very easy for Daryl to say, you know, from a whiskey perspective, it needs to be a little bit lower in percentage because of the spice. Um, but if it doesn't work in cocktails, then it doesn't work. And and equally, if if the bar had said, you know, this needs to be 50 percent and it doesn't work as a, as a niche whiskey, then Daryl would have had to like kind of. Put his finger in and be like, "No, this isn't. This isn't how we're going to do it." So it was a very interesting way to build an Irish whiskey when you've got two yeah. very different perspectives.
2: Well, it's so, especially with the Dead Rabbit having, you know, like this, the cocktail bars upstairs, but then the grocery grog downstairs. I mean, it's like a pub and then a like one of the most famous cocktail bars in the world. So it's like it's like kind of the perfect testing ground for a whiskey that needs to be that versatile a bit of both yeah
5: absolutely yeah um so i mean like it's it's it just i think the whiskey stands to both parties and you know their expertise in both realms that they've they've made a whiskey that in, in my opinion like i've been a cocktail bartender for over 10 years so like you know it works fantastically well in cocktails but it's also i'm also a whiskey drinker and um it's just that right amount you know it's not too strong it's not too overpowering but it's still accessible so I think they really hit the nail on the head and they just managed to bring both of their realms of expertise together and build something that really it's it's multi-dimensional. You can utilize it almost anywhere. Have I sold it well enough yet?
2: <laughs> I think so, yeah. I just need a few horse day. You're making me thirsty,
3: yeah.
5: <laughs> I can feel the saliva building up in my mouth.
3: It's <laughs> the magic of radio. You can hear it. Well, it's um, and it's so amazing to hear about this process happening because how long it was not that long ago that there were only three distilleries in total in the entire island of Ireland, and now yep. to to hear that there was you know this intense um, focus on making it this incredibly versatile spirit that works in like a pub setting as a dram and in a world class cocktail bar is just. It's such a testament to way the industry's come roaring back in the last few decades.
5: It is so exciting. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, you know, it, the 21st century, we had three operational distilleries. And this is why it's like so cool that Daryl McNally was involved in this project, because when you only have three operational distilleries, there's very limited roles and very limited um, people that can garner the amount of experience that he has specifically within the world of whiskey. So... He has a very unique perspective on Irish whiskey history as a whole and how it's evolved over the past 20 years. Um, but also, as of today, we have 31 operating distilleries on the island of Ireland. To go from three to 31 is insane. And it's, it's one of these things where we have this phrase, where it's like a rising tide floats all boats. So there isn't really, you know, there's there's not kind of people like talking behind other people's backs being like, hey, did you see that this distillery opened and it's really terrible? Everybody is just full of this like energy and enthusiasm and everybody's just really excited. Like when you have a category that has, you know, these, these regulations that are pretty pretty you know loose like if, if you're saying hey look just age it in a vessel made of wood like we don't we don't care about the size we don't care what wood it is just make sure it's on the island of Ireland we also aren't really restricted by grain unless you want to get into like specifically making a pot still or you want to make a malt so if you're making a grain whiskey you know th- there is a lot of room for you to explore um so if if we have freedom within our grain and freedom within our wood then it's almost endless, the possibilities that yeah. can exist within the world of Irish whiskey.
2: It's kind of crazy to think that with such loose regulations and seeing the category growing at such an intense rate, you would think that more people would kind of like get dollar signs in their eyes and just kind of like half-ass it and throw a bunch of like just just whatever run-of-the-mill, you know, Irish whiskeys out there just to make a buck. but. I mean, I like you were saying, you know, like it's been really cool to see it because like all the Irish whiskeys that we've been getting in the United States since I mean, I I will kind of like attach that uh, that boom in Irish whiskey, especially in the United States, to the Dead Rabbit because
5: Oh, 100%. It was,
2: you know, th- they definitely <laughs> pushed that that uh, that category forward in the United States, especially, you know, starting in New York City, but you know, it used to be like Irish whiskey was like, you know, you would to just take shots of jameson and like you know it wasn't really used in cocktails so they definitely like were like the major influence if not the influence in that but you know what i'm saying like from this uh, business yeah, perspective it's like you would think that like people would just kind of jump on the bandwagon and like just put it out there because of the seemingly easy production of it with all the kind of lighter restrictions and guidelines but They're all really good. I mean, like, I've all the Irish whiskey that I've tasted that's been kind of like newer, newer distilleries, newer marks from bigger distilleries, like that have come out in the past, you know, eight, seven, eight years. You know, it's been really exciting because it's as a category, you kind of know that you can't really go wrong as a consumer, you know? (laughs) It's been interesting.
5: Oh. Yeah, I, th- I think that um, a large part of it is the fact that there is uh, a passion, you know, like even though we only had three operating distilleries, we're very proud of being Irish um, and like I remember working in bars and when the Irish whiskey category started to grow again, it was a really exciting time to be a bartender because for so long, for almost the majority of my career, it was, um, you know, everything that we used was imported. So we had no, we right. had no soft drinks that were Irish. You know, we didn't really produce any of our own spirits and anything that was being produced, it was kind of more so for export than for use within Ireland. You know, obviously every bar has Jameson because you just, you got to champion the guys. Like I always, I always refer to Jameson as like the Metallica of the metal world, you know? <laughs> They're just this massive juggernaut and they, they helped to bring, you know, Irish whiskey to be um, more mainstream. And what they've done is really incredible, you know. But now it's it's time for evolution and for, for growth. And there's definitely room within the category, you know. Um, But, like, if you're talking about the fact that, like, people, you know, might get dollar signs, like, to be fair, there are... Thirty one distilleries. There is up to forty that are planned within the next few years. So there could be people with dollar signs in their eyes, but I think that the cream will always rise to the top. As in like, sure. you know, the the good whiskey will will <clears throat> be good and can only get better the more expertise and the more experience that people gain from, you know, operating these distilleries and producing this liquid. And maybe the first batch is not a hundred percent, but you know, three batches down the line that's the time when you nail it and then you can start to really expand and experiment and get a little bit crazy.
2: Yeah. It seems like, it seems like there are a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity for the new generation of Irish distillers to like really make a name for themselves at this moment, because this is like, we're seeing this boom and growth of the category. And so, yeah, I guess like also getting dollar signs in your eyes and trying to make a quick buck is more of an American thing anyway. But, like, (laughs) as far as, like, as far as the Irish whiskey goes, yeah, I mean, like, the opportunity is there. Like you said, there was only the three major distilleries forever, and there wasn't really, if you wanted to be a master distiller or even an apprentice, it was, like, damn near, it was essentially impossible, right? Because you've got the the people who do it, and then they don't leave until, you know. (laughs) Uh, you know it's time because it was a job for okay.
5: life you know yeah that, exactly. that was it it was like you you took on this mantle and and you you looked after the whiskey until you know you you, you retired and that was it um it's been really interesting like you know from um like if you look at some of the newer brands that have come to the market and their master distillers would have experience within the world of American whiskey or within the world of gin. So you've got outsiders that are coming into Ireland and looking at the regulations and they have this entirely different perspective. So this is even introducing even more kind of um creativity within the world of Irish whiskey and I think that that's that's part of the reason why it's such an interesting spare category right now is because Mm -hmm. you have like you know Darren McNally is, is phenomenal at what he does and like he crafts amazing whiskey like he he creates Dead Rabbit for us, but he also um is is in charge of the Liberties range and the Dubliner range. And I know that they're they're kind of growing very, very slowly in the US, but they are beautiful liquids. Um he's really a master at what he does. Um but then, you know, if you're looking at these other people who have this wealth of experience producing other styles of liquid, and then they come into Ireland and they have these kind of more flexible regulations, they have such a different perspective so i feel like there's just room for everyone right now because there's so much you can do
4: well and Especially, also when you said like a high tide raises all boats i feel like uh, it also means that you know competition is healthy and uh, you're not going to come into the field uh, and not bring your a-game so yeah, any, S- Suther, you're you kind of breaking up on? buddy oh shit sorry well uh i'll, I'll leave it at that
2: Sutter? Sorry, Sutter. We were kind of—you're kind of breaking up there a little bit. Um, yeah. What I think he was saying was "I robots." Tough question, I'm
5: not fluent, but I could—I could take a stab at it. <laughs>
2: um,
3: well, it—it sounds—I'm—I'm going to take a shot in the dark here. It sounds like um, you like your job, right? <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, so how,
3: how, how, did, how did you find yourself in this world? How did you come to be the, uh, the, the global brand ambassador and kind of a, the, the champion of this style as it moves forward and, and starts to experiment?
5: Um, so I, I know that it sounds really lame when I say this, but this is my dream job. Um, I'm so excited. I mean, I'm I'm really um, passionate about the, the spirit category as a whole because I'm Irish and I'm very proud that we are producing a spirit that is, is so wonderful and diverse and delicious. Um, but, I mean, I, I, as I said earlier, I was a bartender for 10 years um, and, you know, I would say for the first five years of, of working in bars, it was kind of that thing where everything was imported and it was only about five years ago where, you know, we started to have... Um, independent um, tonic makers like we had like the first like Irish tonic that I had ever seen in a bar about three or four years ago and that was really exciting so I've always wanted to champion Irish products whenever I could because they were so rare and also you know Ireland is so tiny um, in comparison to some of the other much larger markets so you kind of were a very close-knit family And so when somebody's doing something, you want to support them. So, you know, like the guys that were making the tonic water, I had known them for for a number of years before that. And when they released it, you want to push it because you want to support your friends and your family and you want to help. You know, the rising tide floats all boats. I swear to God, like that's something that we say very regularly in Dublin. It's it's just that excitement of pushing everything forward. And, um, so this is honestly the dream job for me because they were like, do you like cocktails? I was like, yes, I do. Do you like whiskey? Yes, I do. They're like, do you like talking all day? Yes, I do. How did you know?
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> um, so yeah, but I would say one thing is that, um, one of my very close friends a number of years ago had said to me, um, you know, he was like, what, you know, what what do you want to do? Because when you're a bartender in Ireland, it's very, very difficult to envision that you could open your own bar. Because we have very high alcohol tax and the rent in Ireland is, is pretty crazy. And with licenses, they're mad expensive. So it's very rare that you'll have owner-operated venues. So it wasn't, it was one of those things where it was like, you kind of have to figure out what your career is going to be. And I was like, you know, I think I really want to try being a brand ambassador. And he was like, okay, well, if that's what you really want to do, then you need to start marketing yourself as a brand. And so I kind of, that's when I started to, to, you know, if I was going to be messy, I would be messy in my own home or like, you know, if you go out with people, it's like always like do the, the Irish goodbye before you get a little bit too crazy and uh, made sure <laughs> that like, I just sure. always presented myself well. And that was it. Once I started seeing myself as a brand, it was, you know, I, I had a number of, of um, brand ambassador roles offered to me before I took this job. And for each of the brands, I was like, look, I'm really sorry, but I don't feel an emotional connection to your brand. So I wouldn't be able to to sell it, you know, I don't want to walk into a bar and be like, hey, you should buy this, because they told me that I should tell you that you should buy this, but...
2: Um, That's what I always I, did as a brand ambassador. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, I guess I'm just very idealistic, but I knew that I wanted to be a part of the the this massive, like, revolution within the world of Irish whiskey, so... I was very very fiercely concentrated on the world of Irish whiskey and then when this job came up I went for it but honestly I was like well I'm sure they have a multitude of people that they can pick for this job but I'll go for it anyway just to have the experience of doing the interview and then suddenly here I am um in a virtual room with you guys talking (laughs) about Irish whiskey (laughs) so yeah it's, it's been a fun ride
2: yeah sounds like it how long have you had this role now
5: Oh dude, I got this in December.
2: <laughs> oh wow. So right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right before Something. everything shut down. Cool. <laughs>
5: yeah. So I've I've had like a taste of, of Brown Ambassador life. I was actually in America. I was in um, I was in New York about two days before they shut down Ireland as like stopped travel um, so I, I had this like crazy intense couple of weeks where they were like okay we've prepped you, you're ready to go we're going to send you off into the world and you're going to spread the word for Irish whiskey so I went to Russia, I went to America I went to London and it was like in the middle of like this crazy itinerary that I had, I just got a phone call and they were like you need to get on a plane home right now so um, <laughs> Yeah, I had a taste of it. I had a taste of it. But I'm very excited for when stuff goes back to some kind of normality so that I can I can get back into traveling because that's very exciting.
3: Were you were you so like head in the game that you almost didn't register it when you got that phone call? Were you like Corona what? Or was it kind of in the back of your mind that this is a thing that might happen?
5: Um, so I actually was in Seattle for Seattle Cocktail Week, and, um, there was a lot of events that were cancelled because of the coronavirus. So when I, when I got to New York, I was supposed to be in New York City, in Philadelphia, and Boston, and, Like, as I was flying from Seattle to New York, almost everything got cancelled. And I was like, oh, this is a bit strange. I'm like, oh, maybe people are just overreacting. I'm not really sure what's going on. Um, So, yeah, it kind of... I mean, the fact that, like, there were different events being cancelled, I was like, maybe this is serious. And then when my boss called me and she's like, yeah, you you just need to come home now. I was like, oh, oh, this is actually very serious. Um, But, yeah, I guess I was just kind of so... 'Cause I was you know, it was it was my one of my first big trips was was going across to America. And I guess I was so embroiled with trying to make sure I did a good job that I really kind of didn't recognize that the coronavirus was a very real threat at that stage. I was just like, right. Oh yes, remember all of the whiskey things. Always remember to <laughs> smile, interact with this person, where are your business cards? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty mad
3: yeah well now that uh i mean hope hopefully we'll be um you'll be able to hit head back out on the road at some point soon and, and resume the this it's a, it sounds like that was a whirlwind of of a three-month trip before everything <laughs> kind of ground to a halt
5: yeah it was so pretty you have crazy. 60
3: and you have zero but nothing in between
5: <laughs> yep. <laughs> there was no <laughs> gradual easing into it. It was just like you know, bunker down for a few months. You know, get the role right, and then we'll send you off into the world. And like I, I was supposed to be in Japan, in China, Hong Kong, Australia, and and you know, they've all been postponed indefinitely. So we'll see how
1: we'll see what happens.
3: Yes, as, as we all we all wait and just kind of watch and see. Well, if, if in the meantime, anybody wanted to get in touch with you on uh, social media, where could they find you?
5: Um, I'm most active on Instagram, so um, my Instagram would be Cocktail Shen. So it's Cocktail and then S-H-E-N.
3: Cool. Awesome. I love H. N-H. I love, I love H. when people say H instead of H. Just so charming. I love it.
5: <laughs> oh, do Americans not say H?
3: No, we say H because... That's what we also say herb. We just don't like the, the huh sound for reasons that I don't understand.
5: Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I didn't even notice that we said H's differently.
3: <laughs>
2: well, that's okay. Because I think we're probably saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it invented uh, on that side of the Atlantic, not here. It, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's uh, just deadrabbitirishwhiskey.com, correct?
5: Uh, yes, and also we do have an Instagram. So if ever yeah, you have more official whiskey questions that you need to ask, um it's at @deadrabbitwhiskey. Um you guys, uh is it with the, it's with the e? Oh. I don't know how you guys spell it across in the US. Um, oh, yeah. don't believe it's the Scots. E. It's with an e. <laughs> <laughs> whiskey with an e. Yeah, whiskey with an E. Just to clarify, whiskey with an E, yeah.
2: Um, So, unfortunately, I haven't seen any, I don't think I've tasted the whiskey yet, but I can't wait to, whenever I get a chance to. Um, But I was wondering, you know, something that's super iconic with the Dead Rabbit Bar is that, you have this great graphic design menu and, like, kind of graphic novel kind of uh, element to the... uh, there's, like, the books and the in the, the menus and everything. Is that going to, like, I'm just kind of like a designer. Is that kind of, like, part of the promotional stuff with the, the whiskey also? Or have you gotten um, that far yet? <laughs>
5: so with regard to the whiskey um the idea is that um obviously we will always be tied to the bar because we were we were the the love child of 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 the guys mm-hmm. who own it um, daryl but um from a design point of view i mean at the end of the day we can't sell a whiskey only based off the coattails of the bar right. so we are slowly trying to have um more uh, an identity that runs parallel to the bar but mm-hmm. isn't necessarily under the umbrella of the bar. So there will be um, some design changes um, graphically when it comes to more promotional stuff that's just whiskey focused. Um, okay. Obviously we'll, we'll be keeping the label the same and there will be key elements that will tie back but the idea is to try and, and have a, a, a separate identity for, you know, because we're trying to, we're trying to win over whiskey drinkers who maybe have never heard of the dead rabbit. I know it's right. shocking to think that no one's ever heard of the dead rabbit bar, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that, that those people exist. Um, so yeah, so that's the yeah. idea is to try and have something that's complementary and parallel, but also quite individual.
2: By the way, that was just a test to see if you've done your media onboarding with the company, and you passed. Yay! Yay. (laughs) Very well done. Very well done.
5: Oh, my God, I was so excited.
2: (laughs) You were made for this role.
5: Oh, thank you very much.
2: Very cool. Well, um, it's been great having you on the show. And, again, um, I know that on the website you can go to uh, check out some of the cocktails by Jillian, um, who's the beverage director for The Rabbit. Um, talks a little bit about the whiskey, the story. Um, you can also go to, there's a section where it says buy it, so you can figure out where to find it close to you. I think maybe there's certain websites that carry it too, I'm sure. Like uh,
5: Yeah, we've... we've um... We've been a little bit uh, sparsely distributed within the US, but that's, that's one of our, our key focuses, is to try and expand our distribution. So we're definitely looking at trying to make it much more accessible over the next year in, yeah. within the US. And also the, the um, cool to, okay, when the Dead Rabbit bar does reopen is that they will be selling bottles of Dead Rabbit there.
2: Oh, awesome. Yeah, if you know, I was going to say that, you know, what we've been trying to do with our bars and restaurants, you know, is, you know, I would say that we're, we're not in the business of selling food and alcohol. We're in the business of creating experiences. So, you know, for us, especially my bar, Grand Army, which Sean is actually, he lives right across the street from, um, and uh, we have been, like, figuring out ways to get... For, for our customers to be able to take that experience home with them, right? Because they can't be at the bar, and I, there's no better experience, way to experience the Dead Rabbit than having a bottle of Dead Rabbit whiskey at home. I mean, like, it's that's amazing. So it's really, uh, really uh, filling a gap that, uh, it's filling a dram rather. <laughs>
5: yeah, filling that glass. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: but yeah, it's very cool. I can't wait to get get into it. And I can't wait to get back to Dead Rabbit. It's one of my favorite places. It's like a little dreamland, uh, downtown Manhattan. It's one of the coolest places. And it's like, have you ever gone to a bar, but you wish that there were actually seven bars in that bar? <laughs> <It's> like,
5: that's <laughs> the Dead Rabbit.
2: Um, so it's very cool.
5: There's never there's never enough. You always want more. But I yeah. think that's that's kind of always a, a good sign for a, a good whiskey and a good bar.
2: Definitely. Definitely. And it feels like the great thing about that for the people who maybe don't know about the bar that uh, find out about the whiskey first is that, you know, when you walk in that place, it does, it feels like it's been there forever and mm. that's a hard thing to do. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of places trying to do the like, kind of like vintage retro antique throwback kind of situation, uh, you know, to, you know, that, that escapism of going, you know, a hundred years back in time. Um, but it really has yeah. always like, since it opened it, like from the day it opened, it, it has always felt like it's been there for, you know, 200 years. So just yeah, a great it feeling.
5: feels cozy. Yeah. Like definitely. even like you, you don't need to have an open fireplace and giant plush armchairs, but yeah, I feel <laughs> exactly. like this is, this is what Jack and Sean did really, really well was like, they, they, they brought Irish hospitality to America. That's what it is. It's just, there's something about it that was very welcoming and warming. And cozy.
2: Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, cool. Stephanie, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's been great chatting with you. Um, it's uh, Although, you know, next time we hope that we can actually do it in our studio in, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, instead of over <laughs> the phone. But, but uh, phone uh, I'm glad you took the time to do so me. today. Okay. So thank well, you again thank for you that.
5: thank you so much for having me on board, guys. You this has it. been really lovely. And thank you for inviting me to your virtual um a studio room. I'm not sure what the term is.
3: <laughs> virtual
5: studio. <laughs> it's like beautifully decorated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I would move that painting to the other wall, but that's just me. I'm just. I'm... See,
3: that's what I said. But Damon, I don't know. It's. I don't want to get back into that. <laughs> that's ongoing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, thanks again. Uh, check out Dead Rabbit Irish. Wait, is it Dead Rabbit whiskey or Irish whiskey? Didn't I just plug it before you? Yeah, (laughs) dadrabbitirishwhiskey.com. Check it out. Find a bottle. Get some. Enjoy it. Check out Dad Rabbit when they open uh, up again soon, I hope, sooner than later. And that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Um, Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Until next time. Cheers, everyone.
3: Cheers. Bye. Bye. So you don't charm the, the devil with your rock, rock and
0: roll, Lord. No. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The oh. devil wants groove in the rhythm and blues that sin It's gonna get you some in the
4: air. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter.